Throughout history, many have believed that they could alter the outcome of certain events via the use of magic. While the practice is most often associated with mundane personal gain, such as attracting a lover or increasing one's wealth, it has also been used to shape and alter the outcomes of entire countries and civilizations. For all of history, magic has often been employed by those in power in attempts to secure political positions, admonish enemies, fuel war in its desired outcomes, and alter the state of countries and even entire civilizations. In some way or another, magic has been a force quietly at play in the shadows, used by those in power, and it always seems to play a role in the wars they so often try to bring about. It's a practice as old as time, as magic has been seen for centuries upon centuries as a way for humans to be able to attempt some control over the natural world. It was especially of importance in ancient times, as this was most certainly a time when people would have felt vulnerable when it came to nature. And often, humans need to feel as if they have some sort of control over things. The use of magic to help incite and protect political power goes all the way back to ancient Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia consisted of city-states. Each city-state consisted of rulers, government officials, tax collectors, and those who oversaw communal labor. Like in any other civilization, there were those who were power-hungry and ever attempting to make their way up the ladder. One tool that some used to acquire influence was the use of spells. Clay tablets would be inscribed in cuneiform, often outlining a specific incantation to a deity for help, or even comprising of a curse to bring down a rival. This was often viewed by the public as a form of black magic, as the incantations to the deities were often worded in such a way as to trick them into thinking that they were addressing a noble and genuine need. Apparently, the practice was quite common, and many of those in power carried or had crafted for them special spell tablets, which would ward off evil magic and prevent such curses from being carried out on their person. Magic was a surprisingly large part of ancient Mesopotamian life, and it's estimated that over 
30% of the cuneiform tablets recovered have to do with aspects of magic and the supernatural. Even kings employed the use of magic, and often important decisions revolving around laws and which battles to wage were based upon the visions and omens seen by the court's magician. Now what's fascinating about those clay spell tablets is that it's a practice that you see used throughout most of the ancient world. For instance, during the time of the ancient Greeks and Romans, the use of cursed tablets was a very popular practice amongst the people. The tablets, often formed in clay or lead, were spells which were compiled for the sole purpose of increasing personal gain by cursing another. Like the Mesopotamians, the people of the ancient Greco-Roman world firmly believed in the use of magic. They believed that the natural world could be altered, even controlled. And it was something that anyone had the power to do, so long as the intent to do it was strong enough. Magic and spellcasting was a very real part of their lives, and it crept into all matters of daily life, including politics. The most common method of magic, which was employed amongst these people, was the use of amulets and curse tablets. All classes of Greco-Roman society utilized these as a way to alter the world around them and bring about favorable outcomes. However, the most popular and believed to be the most effective means of doing so was the curse tablet. These tablets would be inscribed with a curse, often calling upon a specific god or goddess for assistance. And then it would be cast into a body of water or buried. Casting the tablets into water was the preferred method, as water was seen as a powerful source of spiritual energy, which would enhance the spell's odds for success. The use of cursed tablets was surprisingly popular for those seeking or securing positions in government. In both Greek and Roman societies, political power was the ultimate symbol of status and something which many were hungry for and would stop at nothing to obtain. Murder of a rival was a surprisingly common method employed by both people as a means for gaining political status. Many would hire out a young soldier to perform the task with promises of riches and status once the deed had been done. However, others 
would hire out magicians, or sorcerers, if you will, to perform the task, having them compile a powerful curse which would lead to the downfall and death of the political opponent. It's essentially hiring a magical hitman. Now, other times, the means of ridding oneself of an opponent would not hinge entirely on their demise. For those new to the game, those just beginning to climb the political ladder, the most common magical method employed for political gain was binding. In this case, the act of binding means to hold a person down, prevent them from rising up and achieving their desired goals, which in this case would be political success. The binding was done in the form of a curse, where the person would call upon a deity to help them, stating how they wanted that particular person to fail. The failure could be a colorful public humiliation, or it could be brought about by ill health. After the curse had been inscribed on the tablet, it would then, in this particular case, be snuck into the grave of a child or young adult. It was believed that earth of the graves of those who died prematurely harbored an especially potent energy, which was believed to enhance the power and potency of the tablet's spell, thus making the curse and its desired outcome a success. While this may sound like a tactic that was reserved only for the desperate, it was actually a method that was quite commonly employed. Many Greek and Roman politicians used the practice to sway outcomes in their favor. Whether it was the downfall of a political rival or as a means to alter the course of war. In fact, the practice was so common that many of the high-ranking politicians rallied for the practice to be outlawed even though they themselves made use of it. They became fearful that the same tactics they employed against others may be used against them, perhaps even used in efforts to overthrow the government. So, eventually, both Greek and Roman governments made laws which prohibited the use of cursed tablets. However, that certainly did nothing to curb the practice, and all members of society sneakily continued on for years to come. Magic throughout the ages 
has been a common means used in efforts to sway political outcomes, especially when it comes to war and conquests. The use of spells and magic in this area is particularly interesting as its tactics were employed as both a means to alter the course of reality and as a means of psychological warfare, a way to get inside of the enemy's head and play upon a universal fear. The fear that dark forces can be used against a person, rendering a complete loss of control. The ancient Egyptians were one of those who used magic in this way. If you are familiar at all with ancient Egyptian history, you know that magic was very real to them. And it was something that was incorporated into essentially every aspect of daily life. Ancient Egyptian life was one that was steeped in ritual. And magic was a very important part of this. It probably comes as no surprise that the use of magic was heavily employed during their military operations as well. In fact, there was a particular instrument that they employed during battles, both figuratively and literally, which acted similar to the curse tablets of the Greeks and Romans. The trumpet was a very sacred instrument in Egyptian society. While the trumpets of ancient Egypt lacked the valves and the ability for multiple notes that Western trumpets have, the sharp blasts from an Egyptian trumpet would strike a sense of awe and reverence for those who heard it. The trumpet for the Egyptians was a ritual instrument, an instrument of magic. It would be carefully carved with hieroglyphs, calling upon deities, which would have a specific task they were implored to perform. Some trumpets, typically ones made of bronze, were used to announce the Pharaoh's presence and while that brings on images of regal trumpets announcing royalty, the reason the trumpets were blown before the pharaoh entered the room were spiritual. The shrill blast from the trumpet was used to purify the room and to chase away any negative spirits. It was, essentially, a protection spell. The other spell that was carved upon trumpets was not that of protection, but was one that was meant to bring about destruction. Trumpets were used in times of war 
and they were carved in hieroglyphs which called upon the deities associated with war and destruction. These trumpets were the literal harbingers of war for the Egyptians, and when blown, would announce the beginning of the conflict and bring about a curse which would incite death and destruction on the enemies of Egypt. It was a tool which was to be treated with the utmost respect and something which was not to be played around with. It seems that the war trumpets of Egypt may indeed have carried a curse with them. On November 4th of 1922, Howard Carter thrilled the world when he discovered the undisturbed tomb of a then unknown pharaoh, which was later affectionately dubbed King Tut. Inside of this tomb were riches and wonders beyond anyone's wildest dreams. It was a discovery which gave the world incredible insight into ancient Egyptian life. Tutmania swept the world, and all eyes were on the riches and wondrous artifacts which the tomb produced. Most of the Western world was swept away by the gold, the jewelry, and the lavish furniture. But the one thing which intrigued future BBC radio announcer Rex Keating the most were the trumpets which were found inside of the tomb. The trumpets were not only well-preserved, but they appeared to be fully functional. When the BBC radio formed in 1927, Keating soon joined and quickly worked his way up the ranks as announcer. And he soon pioneered the area of radio documentary. His programs garnered a lot of interest. And in 1939, he felt that he finally had the credibility and audience to do a documentary on a topic which had been of interest to him for years, Egyptology. More specifically, on the research being done on King Tut and his artifacts. Keating was also still fascinated by Tut's trumpets, and he put together quite an ambitious idea for his documentary program. He wanted the trumpets to be played for the first time live on air, an act which in his words would cross the gulf dividing us from ancient Egypt and for a few seconds breathe life into her dead bones. Everyone, including the museum officials, were fascinated by the idea. And soon, the documentary, which would bring history to life via music, was in production. Despite how lofty and noble the goals of this endeavor were, 
it would unfortunately lead into disaster. The first disaster befell the trumpets themselves. The man chosen to play one of the trumpets and thus bring history to life was a royal army bandsman whose skills with the trumpet were highly spoken of. Unfortunately, he lacked an appreciation and respect for the trumpet's historical uses. Most notably, the way it was intended to be played. Instead, the bandsman envisioned a different performance for the silver instrument. The bandsman envisioned breaking the trumpet's centuries-old silence with a haunting melody, which he had composed himself. It was a performance which he had hoped would afford him notoriety and prestige. However, as he brought the instrument to his lips and blew into it, he was shocked and frustrated by the result. Instead of reproducing the haunting melody he had envisioned, the instrument instead blurted out a series of horrifically shrill sounds. You see, the trumpets were not designed for the task of creating melodic tunes, and they were not meant to produce multiple notes. The bandsman, however, not willing to let this discourage him, decided to fit a modern mouthpiece inside of the horn, thus allowing the ability to produce multiple notes and the melodic tune he had envisioned. But what he failed to take into account was how fragile this musical artifact was. As the bandsman attempted to force the mouthpiece into the horn, the centuries-old silver began to fracture under the stress and soon shattered in the now mortified bandsman's hands. At that moment, it was as if the air had been sucked out of the studio. Everyone in attendance was shocked by what they had just witnessed. To make matters worse, Alfred Lucas, the archaeologist assigned to oversee the project, who also happened to have been a member of the original Tut team, became so distraught over witnessing the precious artifact's destruction that he crumpled to the floor. Clutching his chest and seemingly struggling to breathe, he was rushed to the hospital. The bandsman was admonished and immediately dismissed from the project. His envisioned melody silenced like the trumpet. Thankfully, for all involved, the trumpet was able to be repaired, and the project was, miraculously, able to continue on schedule. 
A new performer, a royal army bandsman by the name of James Tappern, was chosen to play the instrument. Tappern proved to be the perfect fit, as he was not only talented, but he also had a deep respect for the artifact. Well, he too agreed that a modern mouthpiece was necessary for the instrument to produce a tolerable tune. He made sure that the mouthpiece used was carefully crafted and fitted for the specific purpose of sliding gently into the delicate horn. On April 16, 1939, a hundred million people huddled around their radios and listened in awe as Tappern unleashed a riveting, royal-sounding tune, the first one of its kind ever played on such a trumpet. Trumpets of the Pharaoh Tutankhamun, Lord of the Crowns, King of the South and North, Son of Bray. And so, after a silence of over 3,000 years, these two voices out of Egypt's glorious past have gone echoing across the world. The performance was a huge success not only for the station, but for the entire research project as well. But it seems that this performance may have unleashed more than just a regal sounding tune. There are those out there who believe this performance unwittingly released a curse. You see, the trumpets found in Tut's tomb were of the military variety, which, when blown, incited war and called upon the gods of destruction, cursing the enemies of the Pharaoh. Now, since this tomb was meant to remain undisturbed, anyone who blew upon the horn would have been in the eyes of the ancient Egyptians, an enemy and subject to the curse. A few months later, after that performance, 
Germany invaded Poland, thus leading Britain and France to declare war. A war which would be one of the most horrible and evil ones in history. It's also a war where magic and the occult played out behind the scenes on both sides in that effort to sway the outcome to their favor. Even stranger is that Axis aircraft often employed the use of a blaring trumpet-like device in order to confuse and incite panic. A play on the horns of Jericho. Well, attributing the onslaught of World War II to an old trumpet is a far stretch of the imagination, to be sure. There are more modern wars that have been associated with an unwitting individual sounding this ancient instrument of war. For 28 years, the ancient trumpets laid silent, safely tucked away behind the safety of a glass case. Then, in 1967, their silence was broken by a curious museum worker in Egypt. It was an innocent act of mere curiosity, a person wanting to connect with the past by hearing the sound of an ancient instrument. But as the trumpet sound traveled through the room, so it seems did its curse. Once again, a war was summoned and the gods of destruction fulfilled their duty. A few weeks after the curious worker sounded the trumpet, tensions between Egypt and Israel reached a breaking point. There had long been tension over the Straits of Tehran, a valuable shipping route which passes through the Sinai and Arabian peninsulas. In the 1950s, Egypt had closed the straits, denying Israel shipping access. In 1956, in order to regain access to the valuable route, Israel invaded Egypt, with backing from both British and the French. In the end, Israel achieved access to the strait. An agreement was reached with Egypt, which stated that Israel would have full access to the straits and the area would be demilitarized. But then, in 1967, a few weeks after a certain ancient trumpet broke its silence, Egypt once again closed access to the Straits of Tehran and once again denied Israel shipping access. The result was the Six-Day War. In response to the Straits being closed, Israel declared war and retaliated by launching an airstrike campaign against the Egyptian airfields. The campaign was so sudden 
and so effective that it resulted in the destruction of almost the entire Egyptian Air Force. After that victory, Israel continued their campaign, moving into the Gaza Strip and soon conquering the Sinai. Other countries joined, aiding Egypt. By the time a ceasefire was reached, over 20,000 troops had perished, and over 300,000 civilians had become displaced. While the title, Six-Day War, leads one to believe that this was just a mild skirmish, it was quite the opposite, and the effects of this war are still felt today. Now, while this story of war, stemming from the sound of Tut's trumpet, may seem like a mere coincidence, there's yet another story of war associated with the ancient instrument. In 1990, a group of university students were participating in a research project, which allowed them the unique opportunity to study various Tut-related artifacts. One of the artifacts, which was to be studied and recorded, was one of the ancient trumpets. It is said that during this time, one of the students, curious as to if the trumpet still worked, brought the instrument to their lips and sounded the horn. It is said, a few weeks later, after that supposed event, the Gulf War broke out. For the next 21 years, the trumpets of Tut remained safely tucked away and silent. However, in 2011, the trumpet's peace was once again to be disturbed, and its silence once again broken. In 2011, the Tut artifacts were once again undergoing careful study, which also involved careful documentation of each artifact. The trumpets were one of the artifacts which were undergoing careful documentation, as each carving in them was to be photographed and carefully documented. After hours of photographing and painstakingly documenting every detail of the instrument, the employee working on this project suddenly felt compelled to bring it to their lips. It was a desire that they just couldn't stave off. And soon, the trumpet once again sounded, a shrill echo of the past. A week later, the Egyptian revolution swept across Cairo. Now, while not a war, it was a movement calling for the end 
of the then Egyptian president's regime. The movement was fueled by millions of protesters from all across Egypt, from a wide range of socio-economic and religious backgrounds. And in the end, the president resigned on February 11th, 2001. The government then shifted multiple times afterwards, leaving the region in a state of instability, fueled by protests, until mid-2013. Though not a war, the curse of destruction in that sense seems to have still carried through. There are many out there that believe that these ancient instruments of war may indeed still hold some strange power that can bring about war and destruction to those nations which house the instrument. In fact, sounding the ancient trumpets for any reason is now officially banned. It is not allowed to be done so even for research purposes. Perhaps it has to do with a fear of an ancient curse. Or perhaps it is simply a means of ensuring the safety and preservation of a delicate and priceless artifact. Whether or not you believe in magic and the curses it can bring about, you have to admit it's incredibly interesting to think about how much our ancestors believed they could influence war and politics by employing magic. The stories of cursed tablets and of ancient instruments which channeled dark forces, invoked war and destruction, are incredibly interesting and fun to think about. I want to thank you for listening to this episode and hope you enjoyed hearing about these topics. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to check out our website at nighttideradio.com. That's N-I-G-H-T-T-I-D-E radio.com. You can also check out all of our archives by following us on Spotify Pandora, iTunes, and pretty much any of your favorite podcasty places. <laughs>